Hi, everyone, and welcome to the State of State Schools podcast. I'm your host, John Stamper, Christian author, former homeschooler, and former public school teacher. Once a week, I'll give a quick recap of the most important headlines in education and pull back the curtain on what's really happening in our kids' schools. If you're a teacher, parent, or homeschool family, this podcast is for you. Thanks for listening, and let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number 48. Everything I'm talking about in this episode comes from the week of November 13th, 2023. Here's what I'll be covering. The Chicago Board of Education paid $150,000 to a former student in a lawsuit settlement over religious freedom. Illinois' quote-unquote culturally responsive teaching and learning standards School counselors that are being trained to push gender ideology on kids. And I'll finish by sharing a resource called Greater Than I Ministries. Story number one, the Chicago Board of Education recently reached a $150,000 settlement with a former high schooler in 2020 at a public high school in Chicago. And this is the year when I was teaching for Chicago public schools, 20 into the 21 school year. This is during covid Chicago students were required to participate in a quiet time slash Hindu meditation program, which was a graded activity. Now, this is specifically high schoolers. The meditation program is called a, quote, transcendental meditation, end quote, in which the instructors chant the names of Hindu deities in order to channel their powers, and students are to follow along. This is done in Chicago public schools. But when the student in this lawsuit told her teachers that this was not normal and asked why they weren't learning other things, she was not given a choice other than to participate. A spokesperson for Chicago Public Schools said, quote, the district has always denied and continues to deny any liability as a result of quiet time. And there has not been any finding of liability in this case by a judge or jury, end quote. And that's, of course, according to a spokesperson for Chicago Public Schools. No liability. We deny, we deny, we deny. So according to CPS, Chicago Public Schools, there's absolutely no findings of liability, and they've always denied any liabilities. Well, yeah, that's what they do, okay? But the $150,000 settlement might indicate otherwise. But this is a great example of how public schools are not anti-religion. They're not values neutral. The only thing that they're anti is they're anti-Christianity. They're anti-Bible. They'll bring in things like Hinduism and, of course, atheism, but they'll never mention God, Jesus, sin, forgiveness, creation, heaven, hell, let alone prayer. You can't pray, but you can chant the names of pagan idols and require it for a grade. That makes sense, right? I don't think so. And schools like CPS, they deny their involvement in stuff like this. They just pay fortunes in settlement and keep on moving. But where does that money come from, by the way? Hmm, I wonder, where do public schools get their money? And this is all part of the diversity, equity, inclusion, social, emotional learning that's been going on for decades now. Public schools can bring in Hindu rituals and they pass it off as learning other cultures and being inclusive of other cultures. But that doesn't apply to Christianity. It doesn't apply to biblical principles. No one's trying to include those things. No public schools anyway. And that's what we call a double standard, people. But schools around the country should take note. If they continue to push their woke agendas, 
they're going to keep losing lawsuits and paying fortunes as a result. Story number two, in 2021, I filed a formal complaint with the Chicago Public School Board. Uh, This is a separate story than what I just talked about, but we're still talking about Chicago and Illinois. So I filed a formal complaint with the Chicago Public School Board citing their teacher trainings that discriminated based on race, sex, religion, income level, sexual orientation. They were also sexualizing children and pitting members of society against each other, privileged versus marginalized. I talk about this at length in my book. Well, a year later in 2021, this is a year ago from right now, but a year after I filed that formal complaint, the Illinois Board of Education, the State Board of Education in Illinois, further entrenched those same divisive, radical Marxist ideals into public education. They did so by adopting and implementing new state standards, which they called their, quote, culturally responsive teaching and learning standards, end quote. So the Illinois Board of Education's website claims that these standards will, quote, close the achievement gap, end quote. So closing the achievement gap, that's what the state of Oregon said that they were going to do by not requiring students to master skills anymore because testing is racist and grades are racist, apparently. That's how they close this achievement gap, according to them. Illinois is now doing this. Their website went on to say that these new standards, quote, will be implemented in educator preparation programs, a.k.a. teacher trainings, to help aspiring educators build the skills they need to engage all students, respective of cultures and identities, to create an environment most conducive to learning, end quote. Boy, they really had all the buzzwords working there, sounding so friendly and so inclusive. So in theory, these cultural standards will close the achievement gap and train teachers to engage all identities, not just some. But let's look a little closer at what these standards will actually require of teachers in the state of Illinois. The very first standard is called, quote, self-awareness and relationships to others, end quote. It says, what is seen as, quote unquote, correct, this is what the standard says, What is seen as, quote-unquote, correct is most often based on our lived experiences. What is correct is based on our lived experiences. So, translation, that means truth is relative. It's subjective. There is no absolute truth. The concept of truth is really done away with. You have your truth, and I have my truth. Because truth is based on my lived experience, according to this standard. So the standard also requires teachers to, quote, affirm the validity of the student's identities. Affirm the validity of the student's identities. Also, to investigate what biases motivate their own actions and to explore their own intersecting identities and to think critically on how to reform the institutions in which they work. This is what teachers must learn, how to reform the institutions in which they work. So the state requires teachers to, first of all, lie to children who are confused about their identity, right? Affirm the, affirm the validity. Second, teachers are to adopt the racist and divisive doctrines of critical race theory wholesale. That's what intersecting identities is. And three, they're supposed to push these radical political ideologies in their school. 
Now, I've talked at length about my teacher training on intersecting identities and how it's a doctrine from the critical race theory playbook. Intersectionality was coined by prominent author and critical race theory advocate Kimberly Williams Crenshaw. It's now part of the Illinois state standards. The second standard is called systems of oppression. This is what the teachers have to learn and then implement. Systems of oppression, which says that systems in our country, especially the education system, create oppressive conditions. But hold on a second. This is the education system, the Illinois State Board of Education, saying that the education system itself is systemically oppressive and is reinforcing inequities. I'm pretty sure that when you're really truly oppressed and you're a true victim within a system or institution, you don't get to create the standards for that system or institution. You're not able to force thousands and thousands of teachers and hundreds of school systems to listen to what you have to say and not just listen to you, but actually do exactly what you say by law. So what I'm trying to point out here is that these standards are crying victim, they're crying oppression, while at the same time, they're the ones exercising and wielding unparalleled privilege. They get to pick the winners and the losers based on race, based on sex, based on religion, based on income level, feelings and emotion, and then they get to say that they are powerless victims. It doesn't work like that. They're guilty of the very thing they're claiming to be fighting against. So let me read a few of the indicators from this systems of oppression standard. Here's what it says. First of all, quote, understand, this is for teachers now, teachers will understand how current curriculum and approaches to teaching impact students who are not a part of the dominant culture, end quote. It doesn't go into saying what exactly is the dominant culture, but by reading the context clues and using basic you know, deduction skills, it's pretty easy to gather. Second of all, the next indicator says, quote, be aware of the effects of power and privilege and the need for social advocacy and social action to better empower diverse students and communities, end quote. A third indicator says, Teachers will understand how a system of inequity creates rules regarding student punishment that negatively impacts students of color, end quote. So to summarize, since schools are systemically oppressive, right? These standards have already established that. Schools are systemically oppressive in the quote unquote dominant culture is creating rules that quote, negatively affect students of color, end quote, that's what they said then what group of people is supposedly causing all these problems? This is the subtlety of language. This is what parents need to be aware of, and teachers, because this is how schools drive wedges between parents and their children. Certain teachers of a certain race and a certain background, they have the power and privilege, and students of color are negatively impacted by the rules they make. So if students of color are the victims, then who are the villains? It really only leaves one group to blame, and that's white people. You can read the whole document for yourself. Just click the link in this episode page. But everything I just talked about only covers a portion of these standards that are already being implemented in Illinois' public schools and have been for at least the last year. This is the you know, fruition or the realization of what's been coming for generations now. The Bible is completely gone from the classroom. 
no mention of God, morals, biblical values, but instead we have socialist Marxist doctrines totally dominating the education system. It's now a system of political activists training children to be political activists. And the politics that are being advocated for are extremely radical. This material and the whole indoctrination process, they're no longer, quote unquote, behind the curtain, as I warned in my book, but now it's right in your face. It's the state standard that teachers are required to teach. And this is why we need to be free from government-run education, and that includes being free from government funding of education, too. Story number three, I've talked a lot about how teacher trainings have been used and are still being used to bring radical ideologies into the classroom. But the same process is also happening with school counselors. School counselors are involved with, you know, the regular staff meetings in a school and even the regular teacher trainings, but school counselors are also involved in their own training sessions, specifically for counselors. So school counselors must be certified. And there are numerous counseling groups or associations that certify counselors, such as the American School Counselor Association, or the ASCA, and the National Board of Certified Counselors, NBCC. All right, so we got some acronyms here, the ASCA and the NBCC. Now, the NBCC claims to be the premier credentialing body for counselors. Now, together, these two organizations have over 110,000 members. So the ASCA is now demanding that their counselors promote affirmation, quote unquote. You must promote affirmation for students who claim to be transgender. Now, affirmation means whatever that student thinks that they are, you agree with them. If a boy says, I'm a girl, that counselor is to say, yeah, you are a girl. That's what promoting affirmation means. A statement from this organization says, quote, schools should make every effort to use students chosen or affirmed names on student records, even if a legal name change has not been made. Even if a legal name change has not been made. That means that school counselors who are certified by this group, the ASCA, one, they're being forced to lie to confused children about their gender. And two, these counselors are encouraged to use names for these kids without parental knowledge or consent, names that parents have not approved, right? They said even if a legal name change has not been made. To me, this is legalized, state-sponsored, celebrated child abuse. And it's definitely unethical in terms of parental rights, but this is how ideological wedges are driven between parents and children. This is a perfect example. Now this counseling group also promotes boys using girls' bathrooms and locker rooms because according to them, quote, students have the right to use restrooms and locker rooms matching their gender identity, end quote. This is all part of their inclusion policy and their inclusive curriculum. And anyone who opposes gender ideology, according to this group, they accuse them of offensive language. It's offensive to disagree with them. And counselors... If that's the case, if someone is using this quote-unquote offensive language, counselors should create school policies to shut that down. Now let's talk about that other group, the National Board of Certified Counselors, NBCC. They recently came out in support of quote-unquote sex change operations. I say quote-unquote because 
these sex change operations don't actually change someone's sex. They should be called mutilations because that's really what they're doing. But this, you know, premier counseling group says that equitable access to health care, which includes gender affirming care, is fundamentally necessary for a productive and successful society. These are the people certifying your school counselors. And then those school counselors who you know and love are pushing this stuff under the kids, your kids of all ages. So this is what most, if not all, school counselors are being trained to do. And not only that, but they're also encouraged to start gender and sexualities alliance clubs at school, GSAs, so that students can have a safe space to, quote, understand the intersections of students' sexual, gender, and racial identities and the additional victimization experienced by LGBTQ plus students of color. Let's say that again. This is what these GSA clubs do, gender and sexualities clubs, which counselors are supposed to start in schools. They're supposed to talk about sex, gender identity, racial identity, the victimization experiences of LGBTQ plus students of color. Now, I've talked about these clubs a lot in previous episodes and in my book, but they're completely inappropriate. Allowing adults, strangers, to not only discuss sexuality in private with children, but also allowing adults the ability to push gender ideology on these children and accuse anyone who disagrees, accuse them of being offensive or hateful. This is sexual grooming. It sexualizes children. It's not academic, but it's government funded and it's celebrated. So if you have kids in school, whether public or private, get to know what your school counselors are learning get to know what they're doing, get to know what kind of special events or special initiatives they're doing during the school day. But just knowing what's going on, that doesn't prevent anything. It doesn't prevent indoctrination just because you know about it. So it's better to get your kids out of this environment entirely if you can. All right, I'll be finishing this episode by sharing an educational resource I recently learned about called Greater Than I Ministries, Greater Than I Ministries, or GTI. I was fortunate enough to meet the president of GTI, Roger Wheelock, at the Christian Education Initiative Summit last month. Now, the purpose of GTI is to, quote, provide creative biblical worldview teaching materials to Christian churches and homeschools. To provide creative biblical worldview teaching materials to Christian churches and homeschools across the country. GTI also says that their books and videos are for students ages 8 to 88, and they're ideal for homeschool settings, Bible studies, and family devotionals. Their mission is to, quote, teach and promote intelligent, practical application of Scripture in every vocation or station in life in order to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry, end quote. GTI fulfills this mission by providing Christian educational videos and books to families and churches. They also provide speakers or teachers to come into your school or your church. GTI is also committed to working through families because as they state it, quote, the core values and morals of Christianity have ceased to be passed from one generation to the next because the Christians long ago surrendered the education of our children over to the state-controlled public school system. We firmly believe that the parents and future parents within the church can and must 
reclaim the faith in our families by once again taking personal responsibility to educate ourselves and our children, end quote. Wow, what a statement. So if you're interested in what GTI Ministries is all about, Greater Than I Ministries, visit their website and check out their materials at gtimin.com. That's G-T-I-M-I-N.com. Or click the link in this episode page. All right, everybody, that's the State of State Schools. Thanks for listening. Take care.